Osiris. Welcome to the Saint Disruption Podcast, where brilliant musicians, poets, and visionaries come together to share their creative collaborations and explore what it means to be human in these times. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Saint Disruption Podcast. We are absolutely delighted today to have um, two very esteemed guests, um, Jaman Hill and Oteo Burbridge, who uh, collaborated on two of um, Jaman's poems. Um, we're going to debut those today on the show and hopefully have some really uh, interesting deep dialogue about uh, about the poems, their meaning, and... and uh, they're really powerful work, so we're super excited to share this with you. Also joining us today is um, is my podcast partner in crime, John Medeski. Hey, John. Hello, good to be here. It's good to see all y'all's beautiful faces today with us. Um, so just by way of some introductions, for those of you who may not know Professor Hill, he is a renowned, award-winning poet, playwright, and truth teller. He's been in the past few years consistently ranked as one of the world's top slam poets. And um, in 2019, I guess it was, you wrote, produced, and starred in an off-Broadway work um, called Black Enough that has received tremendous accolades. And then you followed that up with a film that has, I guess, shown and gotten quite a bit of credits and awards in three independent film festivals called Vanderwall's Journey. And that it's such a super work. I I, I really appreciate how you sort of created a, a very modern, uh, you, you know, sort of Ulyssian hero's journey that was so relevant to these times. Um, so, so beautiful. You're also um, a professor at the University of Alabama, which is, I guess, your alma mater as well. Um, yeah. Uh, master's degrees in 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 both uh, communication studies and women's studies. We are so so delighted to have you have you with us. And um, for those of you who are really interested in checking out um, some of Jaman's other work, uh, check out um, jamanhill.com. J a h m a n h i l l dot com, where you'll find uh, information about his poetic works, his film film work, and all sorts of other exciting things that that. Uh, so welcome, brother. It's really good to have you with us today, and it's great to have had the Thank privilege you. to uh, sit with your poetry for these past months and and try to uh, create some some sonic landscape that that at least attempts to meet the the incredible power of your words. So thank you, and also Oteo Burbridge. This is your second time with us, brother. Um, this is the first, I guess. A musical debut uh, edition of the podcast that you've been with us. Um, I, if you're interested in in um, O'Teal's early history with uh, Aquarium Rescue Unit and and uh, C- Colonel Bruce and Jeff Sipe and all those guys, uh, the second episode of the Saint Disruption podcast is a great deep dive into really the essence of of um, spiritual apprenticeship and 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 the learning and healing path of music it's really a great episode so uh welcome i i think you're probably a, uh someone who needs very little introduction but um just in case our listeners some of our listeners may not know the depth and breadth of what you've done um I, you're a multi-instrumentalist probably known best for your extraordinary uh, bass virtuosity, um, a co-founder of Colonel Bruce Hampton's uh, Aquarium Rescue Unit, Tedeschi 
Trucks co-founder, and you were with the Almond Brothers as bass player for something like 17 years. That's extraordinary. Yeah, 17 big ones. <laughs> also founding member of uh, Dead End Company, and and who just you guys just had your um, maybe final completely epic tour. I mean, wow. I'm I'm surprised you you haven't like dematerialized into uh, some etheric being after that <laughs> that craziness. Wow, that just witnessing it from afar seemed really quite uh, amazing. And and um, you can learn more about uh, um, O'Teal's work at oteilburbridge.com, where you can find information about uh, uh, upcoming tour dates with um, O'Teal and friends, and and also. Um, O'Teal is is a podcaster and has a really uplifting, yes. positive uh, podcast. Um, comes a time, and um, I have to say, it's it's really in these in these challenging transformational times. It is a it is a breath of fresh air. So um, thank you. Yeah, man, it's great. It's great to be with with each of you. Jeez, wow, this is this is so fantastic. So anyway. Um, we were very fortunate. O'Teal and I were very fortunate to receive two poems from Jaman, and and um, um, we'll debut those in just a second. The first one we'll debut is is called "Float," and the second one is called "Wisdom." And um, just to remind those of you who might be new to the podcast, one of the things that we do here is foster collaboration and mentorship between poets and truth tellers and legendary musical artists to create new new ways of expression, new new mashups of of sonic landscapes and and poetry. It's pretty exciting for us. And so um this is this is one of those shows where we're debuting some new material that hopefully will be uh, entertaining and inspiring. Any words from you, co-host John, before we no, listen to the, 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 the track? I think the tracks are great. They're looking, yeah. And I guess I have one question for Otil. Really, final, final, final tour? That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> as, as far as I know, it's final, final. Okay. So we'll yeah. see. I, I was talking to somebody uh, who's been in the business for a long time. He's like, ah, final. I went to the Eagles final tour in 87 or whatever, you know, it was like, it was in the eighties. <laughs> it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see. 2043. Here we come. All right. So without further ado, um, we are delighted to um, share with you. Lopes. Is it the rhythm or the waves? Either way, the base is home. Here, we hide from the sun deeper. Here, you can feel it in your chest. You can drown in the alcohol before the water takes you. And even then, the water will still take you. And every nigga in here knows bass and buoyancy are so closely related. You can taste both in the glass here. Niggas float, and that's the same thing as flying. When we bob to the beat, we are one with the ones that jumped. The sharks that followed the beasts that worshipped the sea. We walk on, we 
who waited with whales just as magnificent with our melanin, always seeking. They say there's something in the water. The answer, niggas. They tried to drown us, but they forgot we were ocean and Mother Earth and Father Time here. The spirits are liquid fire. We burn you to the touch. This is the next time. This is the brightest destruction in the base. We'll break you if you're not strong enough and you aren't. Come to the waves, this ocean, as tumultuous as our journey through it, as treacherous as the monsters lying in the wake. We all the wake, there's something in the water. Niggas, we who are born deeper than six feet, we don't fear the grave. Death is just a come up. We pushing daisies with living hands. The base is a resurrection. The water will heal you. fantastic piece hats off to uh our our brother jeff sipe who goes all the way back more than 20 years with oteal jeff came over to my studio a couple months back and we started banging on drums and came up with some some tracks that ended up on uh on this piece so jeff wasn't able to be with with us today but big hats off one of the one of the best drummers in the us of a it's really really great to have his energy on here too so um it's it's kind of a funny story you know we sent um we sent out an initial mix that was dry i think it was really funny it was like gentleman was like we need more water on this thing so um kind of tried to bring in some water there's some there's a whale sample and then i then i morphed O'Teal's like a he did a there was a couple longer um sustained bass notes that you did and I tried to morph your uh just take a little piece of a little sample and morph it into a whale sound so um tried to add add water that way it ended up being really really fun really really exciting that feedback was great probably the single most exciting thing for me about this poem is that it speaks to a a piece of indigenous wisdom that I think we are well um, advised to grapple with at this time in history in the industrialized world. And that is the duality, the, this powerful duality of annihilation and liberation that, you know, in, in the, in this particular point of our evolution as human beings, you know, the, the ancient wisdom traditions of this earth always remind us that there is no initiation without a scar. There's no true growth without leaving the village, going into the darkness, into the water where, you know, underneath the surface lies danger, but underneath that surface is the place where all things are born. Underneath that surface is where your ultimate liberation happens. And that is awesome. I love that. Childbirth is hard. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's the only way to get the, you know, the mm -hmm. ultimate beauty. So, and it's something too, like 
though even in the way you described it i, I was like let me I, I was like i'm gonna pull up the lyrics while we listen and i was like i just closed my eyes when once it started i was like oh no i'm gonna listen and like you know it's just one of those things where it's this this grappling with the ocean and and i think that there's like historically when it comes to black people in particular in water there's like this really interesting relationship where it's like you hear things such as like black people can't swim or um black people don't want to get their hair wet or you know all these different things that speak to this fear of water when historically though at the same time water has functioned as a means to escape a means to freedom a means to to rebirth in a way and um that's what i've been I've been like calling my artists my artist friends recently and just asking them like how do you feel about water like let's like, like hey i got a random question i'm like how do you feel about water what do you how do you why why do you think we're like afraid of water like why do we, what what is our relationship with water and really exploring this idea a lot of my writing recently has been about that so when you guys reached out to me i was like um i knew like i'm gonna send them at least something about about water um and it was it was fun to i, I love the feedback process too because i'm usually a person who's gonna um just like whatever sent i'm like all right cool it works that's what it was that's what that's what it was meant to be but i was like no let's add some more water i was like i was like i feel it in my bones like let's add some more water and i love like the 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 renditions and the in how the feedback changed the piece changed the music and i'm like oh yeah yeah this is this is fun <clears throat> what have you been finding out about water in your more recent deep dive <laughs> first first um the um i don't know if the pun was intended but that's the first thing that i learned is we have so much language associated with water that we use in our everyday conversation and then especially um when i look at hip-hop and and black folk we have this this relationship with water like um as an artist you know you've got that flow or um you spit bars right there there are these like different things um we have an mp3 file but if you really want the you got to get you got to get the wave file right if you if you want if you want the best version you get the wave file so it's like there are these little things that exist um even within music that just tie us back to water and it's like okay now i see how water just plays a role even unintentionally um in the ways in which we think of music production creation um and it was it's just been really interesting to kind of see and hear like when people hear water like what are the thoughts like the emotions um whenever i'm working with my team of producers i never because i'm not a technically trained um i don't have any of the the terminology when I'm speaking with my producers and stuff, I'm like, make this sound more purple. <laughs> I'm like, I, whatever that means for you. That's what I <laughs> like. Make this sound more purple. 
make this sound like uh, more deep sea. Let's add, add, make this sound more. I think like one of the words I use, because I was like, I know this word. I was like, it's a little staccato. How can we unstaccato this a little bit, right? How can we roughen up the edges? Um, like, like, I'm like, that's, those are the, so I'm always like interested in like, okay, this is how I feel. I'm just going to say how I feel instead of trying to fit it into a certain language. I'm going to take whatever the interpretation of that is, and that's going to be what's fun about it. Um, so that's what I've been discovering in these conversations about water is like, everybody is grappling with it. Like every nobody really thinks about it. It's kind of like breathing. It's like, oh, I never really thought like, maybe like, what is what is there's so much we don't know about water. There's so much we haven't explored. Um, and I feel like it's an amazing metaphor for just for a lot of things in life. It is so powerful. You know, what's as a sign, you know, as a, as a, as a scientist, I have seen more emotionally intensified debates and confusion about the nature of, of water. It is, it is probably the one material thing that remains around us in Western culture that we understand very, very little about. Um, it's, it is, it is miraculously bizarre as a substance. It does many things that, that it really shouldn't do. And other materials that are similar to it don't do. Um, for instance, you know, when it freezes, it becomes less dense and it floats, which is kind of interesting during <laughs> the title of your poem um and mm -hmm. and the fact that that happens has actually had a huge bearing on on the evolution of of life on this planet you know and and many people say that that mem you know memory is held inside water in both yes and yeah. that are beyond our understanding of of physics these hydrogen bond networks seem to be able to sustain themselves through time. And, and, you know, I know in, in, in the ancient cultures in uh, pre Incan culture in the Andes um, priests and priestesses would sit in these stepped water fountains and they would sit at the top and they would infuse the water with certain prayers, certain properties that yeah. then Patients who were having like illnesses or whatever would then imbue sitting in in pools down below as the water would, you know, move past them. The Cherokee consider flowing water as the wisest healer on, on the planet. So it's such a wonderful mystery yeah. just all around us. It's crazy that modern science has dealt with it so little when it's three quarters of the planet. Yeah, you know we're, 60, I mean? we're all 60% like, water. Yeah. And all the religions, like one of the commandments in ancient Egypt is that I were called negative confessions. I have not done this. I have not done that. I have not damned a body of moving water. That was like a commandment, you know, <laughs> That's so sin, interesting. if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you think about baptism and everything, you know, mm -hmm. like every culture, it has incredible religious significance every myth every fairy tale you know like it's ubiquitous Something, and yet the scientists don't know that much about it. <laughs> it's crazy it's like and it, there's so much of it too i think i think back to Otil, like the the very first thing you said at the end of um when you were saying like childbirth is hard um i i, I think of the <clears throat> i guess you would call it like almost 
the birth canal of the African-American is the Atlantic Ocean, right? That's, That's the, what I thought about. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that, um, like going back to, back to what was said earlier about the, um, the memories, right? That's something I'm very obsessed with yes. is like, what are some of the, what are the memories that this Atlantic Ocean holds? Um, what are the, what does it mean to in um in an earlier poem way back in the day when i was when i first started this um there's a there's a person i want to call back to um christina sharp has this book um in the wake um talking about blackness and in i i remember thinking our ancestors um those who those who died in the transatlantic or in during the transatlantic um travel like who died in the Atlantic Ocean, if they become water and I'm drinking water, I am okay. So I'm ingesting <laughs> my, I'm ingesting my yeah. answer. They're literally their memories of things like I'm literally ingesting them. What does what does this mean, right? What does this mean when my body becomes not just water but also ancestral? Like there's like that's where that line. There's yes. something in the water niggas like that's like this idea of like what happens when yeah. we when we think through the memories that exist in our constant absorption of those memories how might they influence us like what kind of yeah. revelations are we living with that we've yet realized right um and how do they manifest because i feel um, i i definitely yeah. feel them and if epigenetics is true then you know, the people, because when I thought of water, I lived, when I first moved away from home, I lived in Virginia Beach, right on the water. And mm. it was just horror. I felt such mm. deep pain, such mm. deep pain. And I wonder, like it made me, that's why it took me a long time to move back close to the ocean again. But then if you, th my first thought of people that chose death over coming here and committed suicide, in that water mm -hmm. or were thrown in, you know, yeah. because or whatever, you know, I just think of all, that's my first thought is of the Atlantic ocean is all the dead bodies of black people making their way here and the horror. That's what I associate with the Atlantic ocean is horror. And mm -hmm. I felt it the first time I moved close to there. Mm -hmm. And so if, for the people that made it, if that is, if we do have like genetic memory, we all need therapy. We come out like, yes. <laughs> of, as soon as we can, like, make, you know, compound sense or whatever, you know, like, as soon as we communicate by, like, aid or whatever, you need the therapy because you're dealing mm -hmm. with stuff that you don't even know where it com comes from, you know? Yeah. And I, I and have a friend that, from Virginia Beach. He, he remembers not being able to go to the beach because he was older than me. His brother drowned. Mm -hmm in very in shallow water because they never mm. learned to swim and mm -hmm. i just like he's just over that line we're not that far apart but he's just mm -hmm. over that line age-wise where you know we all learn to swim so now i'm reversing it your poem struck me so hard because that's i went from that at 19 to now living at the beach again and now it's healing me and i'm connecting with it and it's mm -hmm. like okay, letting that dark stuff flow through like you just nailed mm -hmm. it in that poem man you really like 
it's so interesting to hear like what other because i was very interested in like what what um what emotions imagery ideas that the poem evoked um especially for you Otil, like because you're making the you're because the the second track when we talk about that one that one i took what y'all sent me and was like okay from this i'm inspired to do this this one i was like let me send the words and see how that inspires you so like what words like yeah tell me about this first time when you first heard it tell me about that experience i'm really interested to learn a little <laughs> more about it when it started out with the bass i was like oh okay it's about the bass you know and i really went back to like southeast washington dc in the early 70s and that's why i thumped it you know yeah um, because that was like going all the way back you know mm -hmm. um but then all the stuff that you were saying like i guess just where i'm at now in my life at this age um mm -hmm. it just really hit me so you know i just tried to get a rolling groove i played banjo and it has this rolling mm -hmm. quality and so i tried to do this line that was rolling like that which mm. also makes me think of water you know mm. and um and just and that's my only thing is i, I think you should turn the bass up because <laughs> he says it's bass man bass is yes. the thing so it's yeah, like the bass should be super loud. but you know i'm biased <laughs> but, we'll, but, get um, it we'll get it louder <laughs> yeah i just but no i i really it uh it hit me so hard and it hits me harder now like listening to it after the fact because before mm -hmm. I was really trying to think of where I'm at and I don't want to conflict with the flow. So I'm trying to do something that can run concurrent, you mm -hmm. know, and there we go again, current. <laughs> yep, know? yep, yep. Right? <laughs> so, um, but now as I listen, as I focus more on the, the uh, poem, I'm just, I'm really happy that the world's young people they're not lost. That's <laughs> good. Look, look, we we are, but we're making them work. We're <laughs> we're well, lost. We didn't leave you with much good to work. <laughs> Just erase what we did. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting though. It's like um, it's so this poem I wrote before I knew um we were going to be doing this project. And I knew I wanted to send something. And a lot of times, like the with the serendipity of everything is just like ridiculous. So when I was like, let me let me go in. I want I want them to do something with water. And it was like, oh, two lines in, we're talking about the base. I was like, this is this was meant for Oteo. Like <laughs> I was like, two lines in, we're talking about the base, and we're and we're bringing it back to this this idea of base. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this is what it this is what it has to be. Um, this idea of where I think music and rhythm play such a huge role in our lives. I mean, we literally have a heartbeat. Like that is that is our sign of life, yeah, is yeah. a is a beat. So like how do we how like what role does music now play? for us as as creatives and as creative human beings so i think all human beings are creative and mm. that's 
there's like you said, there's so many different things to pull. When I write, a lot of times I write with my eyes closed. Um, and like, or I'll type with my eyes closed and just kind of let cool. whatever's happening take hold. And then I'll go back and see, did this make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, that's how we do music a lot, you know? Yeah. It's That's how we way. do music it's... a lot. Why do you why do you think it is that bass? Because you got me thinking just now. What is why do we think bass and water together? Because I always have. And I wonder yeah. if it's not this heartbeat thing. Is it the womb? Because we're all sitting in this water in the womb, hearing this mm. beat, you know? And it's... the womb maybe is you know, it's it's bassy, yeah, so you know, depth. inside the womb. It's gotta yeah. sound like boop, 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 boop. Yeah, you know, like really bassy. I would imagine. Yeah, because we imagine like teeny little. You know, it's like the most, the most in, in, and I'm, and I can only speak to specifically African American, um, like experience, especially coming up as someone who was born in the, you know, in the nineties. So we're talking about when hip hop, we're entering gangsta era, um, hip hop with N.W.A., um, fuck the police, um, this whole gangsta rap, West Coast rap starting to take over. And then Southern rap in the early 2000s, when we're entering the blog era and then going into, you know, our current, the trap, I think we, I think it's termed right now, the trap era, where it's a, really a lot Southern. This, yeah, this yeah. existence of the bass and how much bass do you have in your music and how to, there's like a certain level of depth that I think of. And I think that's where I think yeah. of water. Like there's this depth to bass yeah. and this depth, depth to water that both require like a, a diving in, if you will. But it, it, and it, and it takes, a, it, it, when it hits your body, you're right. Bass doesn't hit you here. It's not a head sound. It's a course. It's like you, you like. I remember my audio uh, at my um my nonprofit at our venue. Uh, we were we you know got a um a subwoofer, and he's like, for the subwoofer, you know, when you're listening for, it, you gotta like listen low. He's like, listen low, um, listen low, listen deeper. That's how we can tell, you know, if the sub is doing its job. Um, we want to make sure that you can you can hear it low. You're gonna feel it here. And I'm like, oh, he's like, yeah, go stand in this corner of the room, right? And this is where it's gonna be hiding the most. Like, yeah. this is where it's gonna go. You're gonna find it in the corner wow. of the room. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So now we're like we're diving deep into like even where the sound is physically located, right? And it's like, okay, I can see this relation between this idea of depth. And, and water and bass and just kind of this tie. I don't know. You know, what's really interesting, guys, is that there is an articulation of the collective unconscious that goes way, way back, way before Carl Jung. Many native yeah. cultures around the world speak of a great river that connects all people yeah. right, mm -hmm. at, right at the pelvic floor. <laughs> yeah, right, right, at, right below the first chakra. Area. India, Egypt, yeah. everywhere. The, the river, man, like, you know, from the Mississippi River, the Nile, the Ganges, the, just everywhere. It's. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think now with the 
as bass has gotten louder and bigger in live music with subwoofers and things like that, it's become, and especially with hip hop, it's become much more prevalent as like, obviously, you know, the thing that makes the music, but like forever, it's like when you would hear a band and and the bass player wasn't happening or his time wasn't happening, you wouldn't know why you didn't like the band. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, that bass, this guy would be great with a different bass player. You'd just be like, this doesn't feel right. You know, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. And really the bass is the feet, you know, it's about feel too, right? You know, how the it's how the bass relates to the drums, to the drummer. That's all that's where the feel comes yeah. from. And it's sort of like what suspends the music, you know, which makes me think of the water and like being in the womb and like just how water the way you you know, water mm -hmm. you float in water, it holds you. Suspension, yep. Yeah. The, like the bass holds the the whole thing. You know, that's why yeah. being a bass player, you know. Yeah is such an honorable musical position because you know drummers yeah. get all the drummers yeah. get a lot of attention guitar players get a lot of attention lead singers get a lot of attention but the bass players back there holding everything together unless you're O'Teal and he also yeah. gets a lot of attention because he's so good but you know it's like the the bass player is like the <laughs> secret is sort of the secret you know holder of everything in a band in my opinion you know yeah that's so well, interesting because for along at an era oh, go ahead no, you go, go ahead, ahead Otil. I got, I got it, I got it pinned. I, I got pinned and off to okay. the side because it's going to be a question for you. I think it's going to be based off of what you're about to say. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think uh, I'm not really different. I came along in that era where people started to recognize, you know, like man, this space is a thing. Like James Jamer said, it took a long time because you know they didn't even have their names on the records, but eventually people were like, "Yo, man, James Jamerson." Yeah, you know, and and uh, all the all the guys, Larry Graham, you know, when he what I was referencing on this track, right, where people were like, "Hey, what's that?" You know, and then on down the line. So by the time I came along, you know, bass players were starting to get looked at a little more. I'm just crazy, so I tend to stick out. That's just a personality thing, but um, I think that helped, you know, that that era because. Uh, it was rough, man. Bass players were, it was always an instrument nobody wanted to play. And I was a drummer. It was the only one I wanted to play because it moved that same air like the bass drum moves, which is that heartbeat thing. And so mm -hmm. for if I was going to play an instrument besides drums, bass was the one that attracted me the most because it had that, that huge womb thing, you know? I was gonna, yeah, that, and, and it, I knew it was gonna speak to to what I like. The growing up for me, I didn't, so I didn't grow up in in the in a band culture. So I knew of bands. Mm -hmm. I knew like some of your 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 basic band members, right? And I always wondered, what is the what's the bass player? What's the bass player? Because I I would see the guitar, right? You see a guitar, and then you see bass, and I'm like wait that's also a guitar like what i was like what is what is why are there two of them and then whenever i would hear the bass and it's that th 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 i'm like ooh, i was like you can't i was like you <laughs> yeah because the guitar player would be you know just doing all sorts of like crazy like like notes and stuff but the bass player had a certain level of um like like you were saying john like everything was tying back. It was holding everything together. And I was like, Ooh, this is a different, some people want to do the 
going all over the plate and doing all the I've seen, yeah. you know, they playing with their teeth and stuff. And it's cool. Great. But like <laughs> this is this is to because I'm a basketball. I love basketball. Right. You have your you have your Steph Curry's, but then you have your Draymond Green. Right. And Draymond Green is not going to run all over the court and, and shoot a bunch of threes that, you know, that in no look and all that. But Draymond Green is going to hold this ship together. And there's an art to it. And people who really love basketball, like, they will love sitting down and watching Draymond. They'll be like, you've got to watch Draymond Green. If you really like basketball, you got to yeah. see the way he directs this, like, directs this offense. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, this. that's why I, I feel like the base. I'm like, yeah, they, like, really are, like, holding it together. We're the and, like, glue. Like, We're the glue. It, it makes all the difference. Like it probably- actually makes all the difference. Now I think people know more now though when the because like you said before like if the bass player's bad they don't even know why they don't like it I think now they might know a little more I don't know I'm biased because I do I'm like man for me it's the drummer like if the drummer is not I'm I can't even I won't last five minutes I won't last mm. five minutes no it's a it's a balance between the two I think. But right, but yeah, it, they, it's both, they, right? And that's why, yeah, that's why drummers can notoriously be difficult because you can't have a band without a good drummer. But the band's not going to feel good if the bass player isn't happening. You know, I, I've just hands down, like it's not going to feel right. But I think that's also why, like hip hop, you know, distilled all the, you know, with taking little pieces of tunes is always going to be the drums or the, the bass and drum groove that is what gets sampled or used over and over because. And that's where, like, you know, all these questions of uh, publishing and stuff come up. We're like, well, the bass line is kind of the hook. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's everything. It's the tune, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, think of Bob Marley's, like, all those bass lines that Family Man wrote. If you change those, it's not the song anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anthony Jackson got paid. He knew that hook, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do for money. Yeah, uh, for the love mm-hmm. of money, he was like, "No, nah, man, y'all got to give me a cut of that. That's that's the whole yeah. song." And he got it, and it like bought its house and stuff, you yeah. know. Right. So he he was very forward thinking back then. He was like, "Hey, I know I'm just a session guy, but that's I should get writers credit on that." Yeah, yep. I mean, every James yep. Brown dude, every single one. I mean, I mean, in black music, like what Chic. Like from disco on over to like you know through Parliament James, but like the bases, what's flashlight without oh, Bernie? You know, like mm-hmm. I mean, the base is really, yeah. It's, it's a, something it's that glue. even as a writer, like as a writer, when when I'm and we'll get we'll get into this. Uh, I'm sure uh, more with wisdom because wisdom, I I took I took the base that was provided. And was like, let me let me write specifically to that. Like when I'm closing my eyes, when I'm creating, I'm searching for that rhythm. I'm trying to, like you said, I'm trying to hop on the right channel, right? To to continue with these water metaphors. I'm like, where what is the channel? What is the frequency? Because my my voice here or my writing here is an instrument. It's an instrument that I'm adding to this band, right? It's not just it's not only my voice. There's going to be, there's even when, even if I'm just doing spoken word and there's no other music around me, 
I still am like, what is the musicality of this, right? Because the audience is going to have to hop on that same baseline and be able to ride the beat with me. So it doesn't matter if I'm doing something that's going to be with musical accompaniment, with none. I'm always like, I can walk into a room and I can know my poem. If like, if there's a band there, if I can't do the poem, I'm like, hey, y'all play something, just play something. And I have poems that are in tune that I, I know of about 30, 40 poems in my head that I've written that are in tune. I have other poems that are not in tune. I would never do it with music behind it. Because I'm like, dang, I don't know what frequency I was on here, but it's not. <laughs> the frequency is not, is not it. And then I have poems where I'm like, I found my frequency. I found a channel. I can attach this to, to some music, and it would make, you'd be able to find the rhythm within it. The Saint Disruption Podcast. Recorded and mixed by Hamilton Media Design at Sidehouse Records. We will continue this dialogue with Oteil Burbridge and Jamon Hill regarding their collaboration of poetry and music in part two of this episode. We will be debuting their second work, Wisdom. Osiris.